Grab your shotguns and water bottles because we're heading out to the wasteland to talk about Rage 2 and this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hi, I'm John, and today I'm joined by... Tim. And Travis. And in this episode, we're talking about a few video game news bits, what we've been playing and watching, and rounding things up with our thoughts on the angriest new shooter, Rage 2. And as we do with these episodes, we're going to start off talking about what we've been playing and watching. Tim, what have you been playing and watching? All right. So I am still kind of working on Skyrim here. Um, I think I've mentioned that in a couple previous episodes. Uh, Yeah, kind of a long game. It's going to take me a while to get through this. And I'm even trying not to get like too distracted by a lot of side quests. And it's really hard. There's so much going on in the world. And, you know, like if I get a mission to go join the Dark Brotherhood, of course, I'm going to go check that out, even though there's dragons that need slaying right now. Um, I have also been uh, diving into Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 and loving that one so much. Uh, In fact, my children like that also. And they've been begging me to only play it when they're around and can watch it because they're interested in the story and they want to see how it turns out. Um, Wow, that says a lot about the story of that game, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. Yeah, like they enjoy it as much as they do, like watching some of their like superhero cartoons as they, you know, it's entertaining for them to watch. Uh, I've also I picked up Final Fantasy 12, the Zodiac Age remake for PlayStation 4. I found it on sale for Amazon for 15 bucks, and it was basically just an impulse buy (laughs) when it's that cheap. Might as well. And yeah, I I was a fan of the original Fantasy 12, and the remake is great. It looks fantastic. The music is still amazing. Um, The new textures and and everything just look really sharp. It looks fantastic on my high def TV. And the the new class system is a really nice addition to the game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, as for what I have been watching, uh, my wife and I have started watching Chernobyl, the HBO miniseries. Yes. It's really so good. good, but it is rough, man. Oh, it's hard to watch <laughs> in some places. It's not only is it hard to watch, but there's... <laughs> There's also this kind of like feeling that like this could be an analogy for climate change and that there's these experts that are trying to tell people that like, hey, we need to do something about this right now. And everybody else is just downplaying it, dragging their feet, making it worse. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it's not helping my my anxiety over climate change here at all, but it's a great series and we've been liking it a, a lot. And then uh, my birthday was earlier this month, and my family got me the entire Batman, the animated series on Blu-ray. Nice. Cool, man. Yes. So I'm going through that. uh, It also came with the two movies that were released. How many seasons Um, is that? How many episodes? uh, Four seasons. Cool. I don't remember how many episodes total. That's great. That's great. But it did also come with two movies, uh, Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero. Right, right, great. Yeah, and it's, you know, I, I I think I've mentioned this before, but this is the version of Batman that I compare every other version of Batman to. For right. me, yeah, me right. too. that is Batman. That is the Joker. That is the quintessential version of Harley Quinn, of Poison Ivy, of Two-Face, of, you know, it, it's the best version of Batman that I think has ever existed. It is the benchmark for everything else. And the Blu-rays look fantastic. It plays really well. It looks really great. Um, I have noticed that it does seem a little lighter than my DVD copy that I had of some of the older seasons. Um, And I've seen some people online complain about that. But it still looks great. 
like and it still has that kind of like dark feel that the that um that you remember from watching it you know after school and stuff like that so it's definitely a, a nice way to watch this one i highly recommend it awesome travis what you've been playing what have you been watching Oh, last month I mentioned that we had kind of shut down everything so that we could catch up on uh, and rewatching Infinity or the Avengers series and uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, so we got done with that and have a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you all of it because we'd be here for an hour. So can I pause this for one second, Travis? Just for one sure. Minute? Yeah. Okay. You both are Game of Thrones watchers, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I heard. I don't know because I I'm on Twitter that the show ended <laughs> a little little cultural thing just little little thing, little thing. okay <laughs> okay and I know this is complicated and I don't mind you taking a couple of sentences for this but maybe briefly starting with uh, Travis and then with Tim Travis um, what did you think of the last um, how did you think of how Game of Thrones ended. You know, was that satisfying for you as a fan? And then, Tim, the same question for you. <laughs> Huge can of worms, I suppose. <laughs> but okay. I'm really curious because I respect your opinion. You know me. I haven't actually watched Game of Thrones. I'm actually going to look into it. If I view the reactions of fans online properly, it's that um, everything should be burned and DB uh, <laughs> and these guys should be murdered or something. for Fans um, running around yelling, Dracarys! <laughs> exactly, right. Apparently they should be treated like they are in the in the movie or something, or in the show. Anyways, I'm just curious what you think, Travis. Game of Thrones. Okay. So, George R. R. Martin wrote these books, but he didn't quite get them done before the show started. And there was like a, a marked point in the show where you can tell that they've run out of book. Um, like kind of the quality and the depth of things went down a bit. Um, and I could tell where that was even before I read those books, but you know, they're still working on the same outline. Martin gave them the outline of how the plot was going to go. They said they were going to get to the same place, just maybe in a different way. So I'm fine with that. And when I think about what could have been, I'm cool with how things ended. I just don't think they got us to that end properly. I feel like this last season being six episodes was way too short. They could have taken some time to develop things more. Like there were some, it's like they were writing the big show pieces or set pieces of the show and didn't really write how to get us there properly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could think of a lot of different ways to get us to where it ended up and it would be fine, but there's just a lot of stuff that I felt a little dissatisfied with. And I really hope that Martin finishes writing these books so that we can get something else besides that. But overall, I still think it's a fantastic show and you should watch it. I'm not one of those people like burn the shit all to the ground and like boycott it. But yeah, it was, uh, it left a little to be desired. Tim game of Thrones. Okay, so I have not read the Game of Thrones books, but like Travis said, you can tell when they run out of the material that's already written. <laughs> because, yeah, the the tone of the show kind of shifts. And again, yeah, you can tell where they're not just taking George R. R. Martin's work and translating it into TV. Now the show writers are just creating plot, you know, based on some input from um, George instead of just taking his books. And my biggest complaint with this last season is the breakneck pace that everything had. Like, it was six episodes that they just crammed tons of stuff into, and it just, it almost felt like the showrunners were, like, done with the series, ready to move on to their next project, like, I think it was recently announced that they're going to be working on a new Star Wars film. So maybe yep. they're in a hurry to get started on that. <laughs> um, and usually shows have a problem of, like, dragging stuff out too long. And this one, it felt like, come on, guys, give us just, like, a couple more episodes this season just to let some of these big, huge events that are going on breathe a little bit so that we have a chance to, like, work towards the next one instead of, like, oh, this week it's... Battle of Winterfell. Next week, we're in King's Landing. Next week, it's this. <laughs> you know, it's just bam, 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 bam. Um, because of that, some of the character developments didn't sup like feel super earned. 
And it's not that I'm really unhappy with how it turned out. I just, again, I feel like if they had a little bit longer, a couple more episodes to work towards that goal, it would have been a little, would have felt a little bit more believable, would have felt a little less like they're just kind of like dropping changes on characters suddenly. Overall, the finale was okay. Wasn't particularly bad, wasn't particularly great. I still, as a whole, love the series. I look forward to rewatching it again. You know, uh, my wife and I are probably going to start going through it from the beginning now that it's all done. I look forward to that. And that's probably pretty good as far as like finales go. It, it doesn't leave you like totally pissed off. And I think the backlash that, pe- that you know, people online are making a lot of noise about in time, that's going to die down. And people are just going to remember this as an OK finale, you know. Not terrible, not great, just okay. You're saying that rage on the internet is overblowing things? No. A little bit, yeah. No, that would never happen. (laughs) The angry people of the internet are making a lot of noise. (laughs) Right, play rage, don't make it on the internet. Um, Cool. Uh, (laughs) It's more where that came from later, kids. Uh, Thank you for that very much, Travis. You can continue. I really appreciate that uh, diversion because I really wanted to know what you thought of that. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up and ask Tim the same question later anyway. So, yeah, it was it was Woo-hoo. great to talk about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've had a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff and uh, a few of the highlights here. Um, Chernobyl, like Tim said, uh, it, it is a beautifully done show that is so painful and hard to watch. And like just some of the gore, it's not really even gore, but like the radiation damage that these people are suffering. It's like some of the best visual like body effects I've ever seen done. And it's hard to even look at because it looks so real. Um, but I kind of love how much they're focusing on being realistic with it. Um, like in terms of the story, they have reviewed about everything they can get their hands on about the Chernobyl incident. And they're, they're trying to portray this as accurately as possible. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's, I think there's, what was it, Tim? Five episodes this is going to be? And it's only one season and they're done. So when it's, yeah, it's when not it's all, like a full series. It's yeah. just, you know, just kind of yeah. like a, a, well, like an old mini series. It'll have like five hour long episodes and then just be done. Yeah. So you can, you know, take an afternoon project when it's all done. Uh, also, Hulu released. Uh, miniseries based on the Joseph Heller novel Catch-22, and it is great. Um, I read this book a long time ago when I was working at a bookshop when I was in like, my senior year of high school. I don't remember the book very well, but I remember it being just kind of bonkers insane. It, the, the entire premise of the book is how absurd war is. And this show is absurd. It's it's pretty great. Um, they changed a few things around to give it more emotional weight. And some people on the internet are not happy about that. They, go figure. <laughs> but um, yeah, in, instead of just being straight up absurdity, there's, there is some more emotional weight added. But yeah, George Clooney kind of got this off the ground and is plays a really hilarious part in it. It's definitely worth a watch. Pretty short. One season and done as well. Uh, we also finally got caught up on the most recent season of Santa Clarita Diet, which is hilarious. Uh, I love how this series is progressing. I was kind of wondering back in season one how they were going to have enough material to keep this going, but man, do they ever. It's it's great. Uh, one one of the characters that I loved in the show was a headless or a bodiless head zombie named Gary, played by Nathan Fillion. Uh, this season, Nathan Fillion left, and they replaced him with Alan Tudyk and they explained the change in his voice. You can't really tell much of a change in the face, but they explained the change of a voice as decomposition, which is just a hilarious (laughs) way to do it. (laughs) But yeah, this, um, if you ever watched better off Ted back in the day, which was another amazing, amazing comedy that was really underrated. Uh, Santa Clarita died is by the same people and it's, it's fantastic on Netflix. So check that one out. I had a lot of fun watching the first season of Santa Clarita Diet. Travis, did you what did you think when they when you found out that they're canceling the show? 
well, I found out they're canceling the show this very moment, so that sucks. Oh, oh. I'm sorry, Travis. <laughs> yeah, they're, it's 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 over. Apparently, oh, I don't know why Netflix canceled it, but they did. I don't either. Like they set up so much stuff for next season too. Oh, I know. That sucks. That sucks. I know. I know. Uh, we also finally watched Creed one and two, and wow, those are good. I mean, the Creed one is so much better than Creed two. Not to really not to crap on Creed two, it was good as well, but. Creed revitalized the Rocky series in a way that I didn't think it could by basically yes. just changing the main character entirely yes. and putting yes. Rocky into a supporting role. But it is such, yes. it's still such a Rocky movie. It's just, it's so very different and so very familiar at the same time and executed perfectly. Like I could watch that movie every week. It is so Creed good. Creed is fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, you're right. Uh, finally, with my, I would have been watching Bad Times of the El Royale. John, I think you mentioned that one last Woo-hoo! month. And that was a thrill of a movie. Like, it was just like from minute one, I was just engrossed in it. And like the the little separate storylines they set up really felt like a Tarantino movie. It was almost yeah. like it was like a commentary yeah. on Tarantino movies in some cases. But yeah, yeah, it was. Every actor in this movie was great. And it was really weird seeing. Uh, Chris Hemsworth as yeah, kind of not was. a nice guy. Not nice no, at he all. Isn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that movie is fantastic. Uh, I felt like that kind of kind of didn't get a lot of uh, traction. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it much outside of like critics, but it's really good and you should definitely check it out. Uh, as for playing, well, I've been playing a hell of a lot of Rage 2, which we're going to talk about shortly. Uh, that's been kind of taking up most of my time. Um, Fallout 76 has gotten some updates that I just don't want to play right now because I'm just going to keep playing Rage 2. It is so good. Um, kind of a non-video game thing that's kind of related. Yesterday, I played paintball for the first time, and I am in so much pain today. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not from the paintballs hitting. It's just from the fact that I was like running around and crouching for five hours and my legs are just jelly today, but that was a lot of fun. Like I'm like one of the biggest pacifists ever. I don't want a gun in my house at all, but you know, the shooting my coworkers with paintballs was hilariously fun. I loved every minute of it. You guys played paintball at all? Yep. I have. It's really I don't, cool. Uh, I don't do it a lot now, but uh, in high school I played a lot. Me and my friends were really into it, and we'd go usually at least like once a month. Nice. Yeah, I was playing with um, 12 other people, uh, people I work with and their guests, and none of us had ever played before, so that was kind of fun. Uh, Just a bunch of people who had no idea what they were doing, just shooting (laughs) blindly, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, that's about it for me. Thanks, Travis. So in terms of what I've been um, playing, like Travis, I've been playing Rage 2. Can't wait to talk about that later on the show. That'll be really fun. So in terms of what I've been watching, uh, well, that's actually what I've been playing. But also I wanted to sort of spoil um, the next episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio where Travis, Tim and I are finally going to talk about the game that we've been making. So um, that Travis and I have been making and it's been taking up a lot of my game playing time making a game. (laughs) It takes quite a lot. But I'm really happy and Travis and I have been working really hard to launch to just kind of, you know, get out what the game is. And we're getting like a web, like kind of like a landing page for it. And it's going to be kind of fun. So I'm really excited for people to be able to find out what game we're making uh, in in, uh, next week. So uh, if you listen to this episode on the day that it's released, it'll be on on a Monday or Tuesday. And next week you'll be hearing about our game, which I'm really excited about. It's about time, right? It is. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun developing this and I hope you guys like what you see. Yeah, me too. So in terms of what I've been watching, um, I've been watching. uh, So uh, we went. So there's not a lot you can do with a three year old in terms of vacations because you can't go to like Europe or whatever, because at least I I don't want to, because, you know, 24 hour flight with a three year old sounds like hell to me. Uh, My wife and I love traveling, but we. We traveled when he was little and he got kind of like hand and foot and we just really kind of weren't going pretty far with him for a while. So we decided we were going to try, uh, you know, getting on, a, you know, going for a, a longer vacation with him. And so we're like, well, where can we go that a three year old can have fun at? And I love theme parks 
In fact, Tim and I have been to theme parks quite a bit together. You know, we, we go to Six Flags together. I remember one year we went to Six Flags together and we had to take a break because we went on the roller coaster so fast we almost threw up. I mean, we probably went on five roller coasters in 30 minutes or something. And that's a lot at Six yeah, Flags. There, really they'll is. just loop you. We had to sit down and take a break. <laughs> How did we you even get barf. through the lines in that time? It just was dead that day. Yeah, it was just um, Magic Mountain. If you hit it on the right days, uh, it's not that busy. (laughs) No, no. We could just walk on anything. And we just kept going. And I'm like, dude, we got to take a break. (laughs) I got to rest because we almost puked. And this was like, I don't know, eight years ago or something like that. So we wanted to take my son, but we're like, well, he's three. He's not going to be able to get on many rides. So we did some bit of research and found out that Legoland is actually set up pretty well for young kids. In fact, he can go on most of the rides. There are only like maybe four or five rides he couldn't go on. So we went. And while we were there, uh, and by the way, Lego Legoland is incredible. <laughs> so if you have you got little little people and he loved it. And I mean, I'm going to say incredible, but if you love like it's for kids. So if you want to go there because you love Legos, cool. But it's a bunch of kitty rides. <laughs> just just to just to be very just this level set here. But it's so much fun because he had such a great time. And one of the movies we watched while we were there was the Lego movie, too. Right. Thematically appropriate. Right. I knew the new Lego movie, too, was coming out. And it's so much fun. At first, I thought when I saw the trailers for Lego movie, too, it's set in after the Lego movie. And there's kind of a post apocalypse thing. going. I thought it'd be dark. It's really, really not dark at all, actually. Um, it's probably the brightest and cheeriest post apocalyptic movie I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and it's so much fun. It's better than the first one. If you can be. It's great. So Lego Movie 2 is really fun. So um, I've been watching some stuff on Netflix, too. So one of the movies I saw on Netflix was called, this is a documentary called Perfect Bid, The Contestant Who Knew Too Much. So it's a show about a guy who was really, um, who loved The Price is Right. And back when the show started, he created a list of all the prices for everything on the show. So he memorized the prices. He actually made a DOS game for the prices right so he could practice it and he was really obsessed and he'd go to the tapings and he'd yell out prices to people because they let you do that or at least they used to anyway um uh for the show and he'd get stuff pretty close because he did it and then he got um it just and, and the movie's about him and how he got on the show and some stuff that i don't want to spoil that's actually really interesting but if you like the prices right and kind of want to watch something about people that are like other fandoms that aren't video games and where people are really hardcore about it. The uh, perfect bid, the contestant that knew too much is about really hardcore prices, right? Fandom people. And I'm just going to say nerds are nerds, man. doesn't matter what fandom it is. Hardcore (laughs) nerds are hardcore nerds, you know? So um, I saw it. um, I rewatched blue ruin again. It's by Jeremy Saulnier. We reviewed, what was the Saulnier? Hold the dark. uh, Hold the dark. Right. Blue Ruins on Netflix, along with Green uh, Green Room, and I watched Blue Ruin again. It's so good. I love Saulnier movies. It it's so good. Blue Ruin's fantastic, and it's on Netflix with Green Room. If you haven't seen it, treat yourself, guys. It's like so good. Ah, uh, it's just fantastic. I don't want to spoil anything. It's it's uh, well, I guess I could talk about it a little bit. It's a movie about a homeless man um who seeks revenge and i know that sounds really played out maybe but you need to watch it it's not what you expect uh because it's a saulnier movie but you know just like he does he does gore perfectly (laughs) and um and uh wow it's great so i also saw an old uh movie called empire records this is kind of a cult classic from the 90s about people (laughs) working at a record store okay whoosh all right it's pretty bad so i thought this movie was just a hidden gem that i'd never seen in my life okay it's um this is problematic on many fronts including how it looks at a lot of things and it's not just 90s problematic i just it's like writing problematic and stuff if 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 people love this movie it's because they have nostalgia for it and that's fine i'm not trying to crap on your sunday but it's just, it just wasn't great. <laughs> it's just, I didn't, I didn't like it, but I, I'm glad I finally ticked it off my list. Yeah. We talked about that when you were in the group chat, when you were watching it and I don't think it ever really was that great. I think it was so quintessentially nineties. There's a lot of nostalgia built into it that I think the teenagers of that area era probably had some, something to focus on in that, 
and people who want that nineties nostalgia now have something there, but just structurally, I don't think it was a good movie. I never, no, I don't think I ever did back then either. I mean, it's got Liv Tyler. It's one of her first movies, and I think yeah. that's cool. You know, she's a fun actress, and it's got Renee Zellweger in it, and some, some really cool actors. But like, they write the women so just problematically. Like Renee Zellweger is like, they're just slut shaming. It's just not. It's not a good look. It's just not. You know that women can be other. You can write women in other ways. But apparently, the '90s didn't think he could. So, I don't know. Whatever. I just, it, it, but that's not even, I mean, that's just the, that's a, a, an aspect of a very problematic man in general. And, and I think the biggest problem is that it's just not fun. You know what I mean? It's just not interesting. But if I was a high schooler now and it, it might be the best thing I've ever seen in my life, I don't know. So, um, and I'm not. So there we are. So Starship Troopers, I saw recently. I really wanted to see that again. So people were talking on a, a video, on like a forum, and they're saying, hey, what CG holds up really well now and they're like starship troopers starship troopers those graphics really hold up i'm like okay i love that movie let's watch it again they're wrong they don't um (laughs) (laughs) let's okay i just want to say really like starship troopers is a classic and it's so good um and there's practical effects and the practical effects hold up perfectly but the cg is terrible Okay, there are scenes where and if you watch it on like Prime Video, which I watched it on, it's in HD. And there are scenes where like the bug is blowing, like they're blowing up a bug with a grenade. And you can tell that is CG and it's bad CG. Okay, <laughs> so they don't hold up. I, I don't know. Like maybe people watch this on a muddied VHS or Blu-ray, a DVD or something. But watching this in HD, those CG effects do not. Um, I guess some people might have thought that the practical effects were CG. Oh, those are amazing. Yeah. They have actual bugs. And then and then when you're showing like dead bodies, those are actual like um actual, actual dead bodies. <laughs> well, yeah, not, they just they brought in a bunch of homeless people from LA <laughs> and, just and they shot him in the face. <laughs> That's what the Sony A movie guy was looking for revenge yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, they actually got dummies that ripped their limbs off and it's stuff. So that's fine, but the CG is not good. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad movie because it's amazing. It's still really good. I, I love Starship Troopers. So I saw an, a movie on Netflix. It's a it's a new Netflix movie um, that Captain Marvel directed um, called Unicorn Store. Or actually, she produced it. So um, Brie Larson and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. So it's basically just like Captain Marvel too, basically. And um, in terms of actors in it, I'm gonna say this about Unicorn Store. It's weird. So if you're looking for a weird movie to watch, watch Unicorn Store. And I'm not I don't mean that even in a bad way. It's just weird. I, I, I want to have questions about it. I'd love to talk to you guys about this, but I don't want to ruin it. But I but I would say that you should watch it. It's a quirky movie about someone who still is with their parents and um, Samuel L. Jackson. And this isn't the only thing that's in the trailer wants her to have a unicorn, wants to get her one. And it's weird, but I loved it. <laughs> it's really fun. It was really fun. I these kind of like weird movies that are obviously like Brie was really interested in this movie, wanted to see it made, so she's in it, and she got Samuel L. Jackson to to be in it with her. Are, are cool. I, I like it. I, I think it's perfect for Netflix. I think it's going to find an audience. I think I would have loved this even more if I was like high school, right? Kind of like Empire Records people in the 90s, I guess, like that. Um, but I, I don't know. It's good. It's fun. I, I would love to see you guys watch it and then tell me what you think about it. Yeah. Unicorn Store. It's I'm looking cool. at the IMDb for it now and like it looks really bizarre, like you said. And while the, the critics and users are not giving this one a lot of credit. Hey, my friend Mary <laughs> is in it. Sweet. My high school friend Mary is an actor and she's in it as a character named Joni. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so all the actors are really good. I, so here's the, here's where I think the critics and people are dumping on this movie for. It's a fairy tale story. And it's not it's not the kind of movie that you should take literally as it's a real life movie. It's it's a it's a movie about. It's this heightened and maybe the movie doesn't pull the tone off properly so that you sort of turn your brain off for that kind of thing. But it's 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 a movie about where fantastical things can kind of happen, but maybe they can't happen. But you're not totally sure. And that's what makes the movie so weird, because I'm not sure if it's real life or it's a fairy universe or what. 
You know what I mean? Is she crazy? Is she not crazy? I don't really know, but she's fucking weird. And I love the movie. And I think this is just for a certain kind of person. And if you don't like that kind of weird stuff, and if you're looking for a, a movie that gives you the answer about what it's about, this is, movie is not going to handhold. It's not going to give you that answer. You know what I mean? You're going to have to talk about what was the point of that? <laughs> At least my wife and I did. And it was cool, but we didn't have a bad time. You know, it's on Netflix. It's not costing you more money to watch it. So All right, I think I'm going to watch enjoy. this. I, I, I really <laughs> yeah. like movies where I'm not sure if things that are happening are real or if somebody's crazy. In fact, there's like a couple of um, horror movies that I watched somewhat recently that were like that. And I, yeah. I love that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. And it's and, and it has something to say. And I, I think I've spoiled too much. I really don't want to. But anyways, so I also saw another new Netflix thing uh, called Tuca and Birdie. So, you know, y'all, we're really big fans of BoJack Horseman, right? So Tuca and Birdie is a new um, animation on Netflix um, that is from the art director of BoJack Horseman. So it's real, but it looks a lot like that BoJack style, but it's different story wise. It's weirder. <laughs> It's weirder. Like Bojack Horseman is actually grounded in this movie. Like I'm not saying this movie isn't grounded, but it's way different. It's just a straight up weird style. Like in the intro, and this isn't bad or anything, but this is just kind of the movie. Like in the intro animation for the show, there's like bouncing boobs and stuff like that. So this is just it's just a different kind of thing, you know. It's um, but I I I watched one episode and a lot like Unicorn Store. It's got its own thing. It's so different. It's just the tone and the pacing of the show is just really unique. And so it took me a little bit to get into it, but I really dig it. I love that animation style. So if you love that BoJack thing, and it's kind of quirky in that way, but it's different. So it's about two friends, two birds, Tuca and Birdie, living in the city. And it's just about them, you know, and their lives. And they're way interesting to watch. So I'm just a couple episodes in, but it's on Netflix and they're short episodes to watch. So that's what I've been playing. And that's what I've been watching. Hey everyone, this is Tim from Cheerful Ghost Radio. My co-host and I want to thank you for listening to our show. We have a lot of fun making this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it too. If you like what we're doing and you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon is a site where people can fund the things they love. If you choose to support us at the membership level, you'll also get some awesome benefits on the Cheerful Ghost website. So head over to CheerfulGhost.com, click the heart icon at the top of the page, and support us on Patreon. Thanks! So recently, the World Health Organization recognized a new illness in gaming disorder. So that's uh, a fairly interesting, and I wanted to read a little bit about how they defined it. They added it to the list of recognized illnesses. So some of the things that they list as potential reasons why you might have a gaming disorder is if you have a pattern of this kind of behavior, which is impaired control over gaming, e.g. onset, frequency, intensity, duration, termination, or context. So basically what they mean here is if you can't control yourself playing games, if you if you have a really hard time doing that, or you can't, if you uh, increase priority given to gaming to the extent that gaming takes precedence over life, interests, and daily activities. So, you know, there's a, it's pretty common to, you know, see like, you know, someone who's got kids and they play video games, and they're not really there. And one of their partners is like, but, you know, or whatever, or you just play games, and you don't go to your job or you don't go to school or you're in college and you don't hand in your papers and you're just playing World of Warcraft or whatever. Another uh, point of this is continuation or escalation of gaming, despite the occurrence of negative consequences. The pattern, uh, the behavior pattern is sufficient severity to result in significant impairment in personal, family, social, educational, occupational or other important areas of functioning, kind of like I talked earlier so um i had a couple questions uh for because i wanted to talk about this because i think this is interesting i i think this is a this is an interesting gaming topic so um as i was sort of bringing up you know asking you know tim and travis before the show you know what we were talking about this tim uh had actually a really interesting idea about when we were kids tim uh, what were you saying uh, earlier about this oh when you had uh posted the article i was like oh i want to read the uh like symptom, you know, symptoms here and see how, how many of these uh, younger Tim would check off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But um, right. actually, I think uh, I think young Tim would have done OK. I mean, I played a lot of video. I still play a lot of video games, but it was especially when I was younger and I had more free time. But um, I, I it was more of just because I was not an athletic kid. 
I was homeschooled and went to a private school that had, you know, a small class size. So there was not a lot of friends to fill up time with. And, <laughs> and so then there was video games to to fill the rest of my day with. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, if I had other things going on, it's not like I would drop plans or not do stuff just because I wanted to stay home and play video games or anything. I agree. I, I think it was, too. And maybe Travis could speak to his youth. Maybe he was a maybe he was an addict and needed to get that sweet um, Sega controller injection in his arm or something. But uh, I was really and I would say I was obsessed with video games as a kid, for sure. But I don't think it was that rose to the level of a gaming disorder. So when I was a kid, I really wanted a Nintendo. Right. And I didn't have one yet. And so I had dreams constantly about getting one and playing it and having it and getting it for Christmas. And I draw about it and I'd watch Super Mario Brothers Super Show and I played at my friend's house and I go to the store and then I had it and I played it so much and that. But it never really rose to this. I mean, I'm sure my mom annoyed them or maybe occasionally I missed a paper or I was, you know, daydreaming about Zelda or I drew a Actually, maybe I had a gaming disorder. I don't know. <laughs> maybe actually I did a little bit when I was really young. I mean, God I was had his. Oh, shit. <laughs> Moment. Wait, maybe I had a problem. Maybe in class I drew Zelda maps before I was paying attention. Well, that probably had to do with my ADHD more than it had to right. do with the gaming disorder. But um, but I but it wasn't really a big deal in high school. You know, I you know, I, I didn't do great, but it wasn't because of gaming. I just, you know, was like yawn and kind of tired of high school for the most part. Uh, I went on to do pretty well in life, you know, you know, per program and all that. But but I think that I don't know. I don't know if it rose to gaming disorder. Maybe when I was really young, I was quite obsessed. I don't know. What do you think, Travis? No, I think what you guys are talking about could just be, you know, kids being obsessed with shit. I mean, everybody, every yeah, kid was agreed. obsessed with something. Yeah. And, you know, for our generation, like the hot thing when we were kids was the NES. Like everybody wanted that NES. I don't think it was like full on gaming disorder for based on what you guys are talking about. It's just normal kids <laughs> yeah. being stupid kids. But no, I had um, I had kind of a similar situation to what Tim, what you were talking about. I mean, I, I was not homeschooled and I had, you know, friends that I would hang out with occasionally, but I was not athletic at all and kind of wanted more I don't know stuff that exercised my mind, I guess. And so I read a lot of comics and played a lot of video games. That was pretty much my activities after school when I wasn't hanging out with somebody. And I don't think it ever really rose to that uh, level of addiction. I mean, I would get pretty into stuff and like rage over it, which (laughs) like really rage over it. And my, my parents would have to take, take it away for a while, but no, I don't think it ever rose to a disorder. Right. And I think that I don't think any of us have this now, although I've known people, you know, where it's been, you know, gaming's been a problem for them. And oh, their, yeah. You know, and their family and that kind of especially, thing. But I don't, uh, especially when I would play uh, MMOs. Oh, yeah. You'd come across people oh. where you're just like, oh, they this is a problem. <laughs> like they play it too much. Yeah. It seemed like Final Fantasy 11 really attracted that kind of person. Like I talked to so many people who played that game and that it seemed like they were on it probably 18 hours a day just constantly playing it and it it kind of has that kind of grind that pushes you for that if you're susceptible to that kind of lack of impulse control you could just sit there for days on end yeah yeah no definitely ran into a few of the people like that playing final fantasy 11 where you like get on voice chat you know when you're getting ready to go do a raid or something like that and uh, you could like hear their children in the background. You're like, do you need to go check on them? <laughs> like, no, yeah. no, no, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, right. Um, like, right. And so we're. <laughs> right, totally. And we're going to have some links um, in the show notes if anyone, you know, thinks, well, you know, maybe I have a problem with the disorder or whatnot and want to get some help because there are some there are some places you can call and that kind of thing to sort of, you know, help you in that, you know, in your journey on that. Because I think that, you know, I've known people that have had a problem with it and. Uh, maybe they have less of a problem now or they're sort of on their way out. And I think that's good. And I think it's good to recognize that because I think that if anything in your life comes to a point where you want to do like the booze or the or the or whatever, you know, the games or whatever before this, uh, before like life and it's getting in the way of you having a job or a family, I think that could become a really big problem. One, one of the things I think now is more 
uh, to use kind of a kind of an a word that I don't use a lot. Pernicious is uh, games now. Like so you guys talk about Final Fantasy 11 and the worst someone's going to be in on Final Fantasy 11 is the time. Obviously, that's a lot. You buy a really crazy PC, you know, whatever. That's a couple thousand. At least that's a fixed cost for at least five years. And you pay the monthly sub. Well, that's that's a lot, but that's not a ton. Right. So I've. um read articles about people that spend um like fifty thousand dollars they had a problem oh trying to open Ooh. up loot boxes yeah. to get characters in like a mobile game or you know all of the like i knew people when i would go play hearthstone at um so i always played hearthstone free to play i didn't put a whole lot of money into it. i think five bucks for like a uh, a charity thing one time but um where where i'd go there and i just play you know casually with the decks that i'd have and i'd get my ass smashed by people with complete gold collections <laughs> like every card is gold that they've crafted in the game okay i don't know if that's an addiction but that's a lot of money to spend on a game yeah. that I, which i don't i'm just and it's like ah you know i spent whatever 25 g's on hearthstone 30 g's on hearthstone it's like what so, yeah, I, I'm for me, I'm glad that the WHO sort of normalized and understanding that there are some people that could have a problem because I think once it works its way through, you know, medical understanding and then counseling understanding, then I think it's easier for people in society to realize, oh, you know, maybe I do have a problem or I can get some help with this because I think that we all love games. It's an amazing hobby and um, like, you know, like you can go and, you know, have a fun time at a casino, but we all know or, you know, you can grab a drink with some friends, but I think we all know that that can turn unfortunate sometimes. So I'm really glad the WHO could do that. Anything else you guys wanted to say about this before I moved on? Yeah, I went, I, you know, I, when the people started talking about gaming addiction a few years ago, I was thinking like, this is just a dumb idea, but it's just, it's just like the same thing with gambling addiction and other kinds of activity addictions. It's, it's all about a lack of impulse control and it's kind of dumb to make it its own separate thing. But the more I think about it, like it's a different kind of thing that these people are focusing on. So, you know, if it helps to treat it by contextualizing it, then it's a great thing to call it that, call it what it is. I agree. And I think now with loot boxes, I find the difference between video games and gambling to be very not like, like you, you have kids that love playing games that are clicking a loot box, which is gambling right and you're getting those same endorphin rush so it's like a video mm-hmm. game with gambling with all this yeah. and it's like when are they gonna you know hook up a hose to snort the cocaine you know what i mean like what's next you know what i mean it's pretty crazy so so yeah humans love that dopamine hit for sure Recently, Nintendo Direct dropped news of Super Mario Maker 2, and I was so in. I thought it was one of the best directs they've done. So um, I wanted to talk to y'all about Super Mario Maker 2 again because I am super hyped for this. So Travis, if you were going to build, like, let's imagine you're getting Super Mario Maker 2 and you were going to build a map. What would the map look like? And if there was some cool new feature that you saw that you really kind of want to try on a map, what would that be? I'm just curious. You know, I have not had any experience with Super Mario Maker at all. So I think if I got it and I was going to build a map, the first thing I would do would be to try to copy the first World 1-1 from Super Mario oh, Brothers. Yeah, just that's to a good you know, idea. get my hands on idea. it, you know, just to learn how to how to how everything works but no like i loved everything that they presented and everything looks amazing and most of what i was thinking was i really don't know what this means because i don't have a lot of context for it but i'm this was already a day one buy for me and since they're doing all the online stuff i think it's gonna make me finally buy a nintendo online subscription and i'm really looking forward to seeing what everybody makes i have no idea what i'm gonna make tim yeah, so shortly before recording, I went through the whole uh, Nintendo Direct and got caught up on this. It looks really cool. Um, I was a little sad to see that there was no Mario 2 theme. I think that's a uh, missed opportunity there. Yet, though, <laughs> Yet. you know that there's that space and they're like other themes and there's only one theme there. <laughs> so and it's new Super Mario or it's like Super Mario 3D World. 
people are totally thinking that it's going to be Super Mario Brothers 2, and I think it's almost a for sure. I really hope it is. I hope so, too. I'm pretty sure, because Super Mario 2 is such different mechanics-wise. All those games in the main set are all similar, and you can, like, you could build one, and the reason why they're distinct and is, is different is you can build a Super Mario 1 stage, flip the theme to 3, and it's going to be the same. It won't rip it up. That's why they distinguish, they made them separate themes, and I yeah. think Super Mario 2 makes a lot of sense, and that's why there's an open spot, so. Yeah, but I liked all the new tools that they outlined. All, like, I want to get in, and I want to start, like, playing with some of those, like the little seesaw, like, tracks, the the clear pipes, the snake switches. blocks the, yeah switches looks really cool being yeah. able to do the the scrolling stages and control it so i can shift from like yes. side to side to vertical that looks so much like so much fun i i just want to get in there and just like toy around with it i have no idea like actual stages <laughs> i would design i just kind of want to just like play with the tools and see how they work and see what i can come up with yeah, I agree. I totally am ready to sort of play with it. I think I'm really excited about the new Super Mario 3D land uh, new theme that they're doing because they're taking yeah. that game, which is which is a 3D Mario game that came out on the Wii U, which is one of the best games on the Wii U, by the way. I have a Wii U and I have that game and it's fantastic and it needs to come to the Switch so Travis can play it because he hasn't yet. It's so good, Travis. You're going to love it. And um, they made it a side scroller, but it looks like the same game. So that's really interesting how they're going to do it but then it's kind of doing a 3d side scrolly thing so that's really neat um and if they add mario 2 it's just going to make this amazing one of the things i hope they do um and they kind of did this a little bit for mario tennis aces and a few other things like smash and that which is if you had the game early that you could get some of the dlc for free like if you had smash you could get the piranha plant tim you have smash right i don't actually um i okay. wanted to get it so you and just kind of never did Right. So um, you could get the piranha plant as a character for free for a while, you know, because they wanted to reward people for buying it right on time. So I hope that Super Mario 2 is free DLC to a certain point. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to buy this when it comes out and uh, I don't want to pay for that DLC. But I will, of course, obviously, because I'm a freaking sucker. uh, And Mario 2 is like my favorite, uh, one of my favorites. But I'm really excited about all the stuff that it adds. And I think it's going to have a huge lifespan I think you're always going to be able to go get content for this game. If you wanted to play a new Mario stage, this is weird. You can if your friends make a stage. Oh, and the stage that I'm going to make is a cheerful ghost theme stage, which is going to be, of course, a ghost house. Nice. <laughs> so nice. I'm going to do it. all ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Let's try to do a ghost boss, that kind of thing. So it's not going to be crazy hard, but I'm going to probably do something like that. And I'm going to try to spell cheerful ghost in blocks because <laughs> <laughs> that'll be kind of fun. So I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to do that. Okay, so Rage 2 launched recently, and Travis and I have been playing it, and Tim hasn't, so I'm going to hand over hosting duties to Tim, uh, and Travis and I are going to talk about the games, and Tim's going to ask us questions a little bit off the cuff as they happen, but I'm going to kick things over to Tim. Tim, let's talk about Rage 2. All right, so um, I guess my first question for you guys is... um, while I was watching trailers for it, I get a pretty heavy like Borderlands vibe from it. Is this going to scratch that Borderlands itch until Borderlands 3 comes out? No. No, probably not. Because it's not anything like Borderlands at all, actually. I okay. mean, it's post-apocalyptic, but it Travis, am I wrong? This game doesn't feel anything like Borderlands, right? Uh, so, Tim, I agree with you. When I was watching that those trailers, I was thinking they're taking a lot of cues from Borderlands to kind of make like improve on rage. And I guess in a way they pulled some stuff like that. Like there's bounty boards and a lot of things feel similar. Oh, sure. I guess I didn't even think about that when I was playing it. Like little things like that. But you know, you think about borderlands and you've got like the borderlands a rage had a bounty board. Oh, it didn't. Okay. Yeah. But like in borderlands, you've got like a thousand billion weapons because of all the different combinations yeah. and stuff and rage you yeah. have a set number of weapons you have a set place to unlock them and then you can upgrade them um and two of them are good 
<laughs> no, I say, I say more so, than two, but it's it's. I it's, know, but you know what I mean, right? You're only going to use a couple, uh, yeah, you know. But uh, no, I mean, Borderlands is a looter shooter, and this really is not. Um, it's got some of the same feel to it here and there, but it, mm-hmm. it feels more like a sequel to Rage than it feels like anything else. Okay. Uh, since, you can play Rage 2 on Steam, too, so that's also different. All right, so this yeah. is uh, not going to be scratching that <laughs> Borderlands itch. So um, what uh, what kind of a game is this exactly, if it's not like a looter shooter? Um, is this more in the lines of just like a typical first-person shooter? Is this closer to like a Doom, or is this closer to like a Halo? So I've heard... So I've listened to some people talk about Rage 2 and on like a video game show that I watch called DLC and they weren't really hip to Rage. They thought it was fine. Uh, I like it a lot more than that. They described it in a really way that I actually agree with. They say that id games are very like old school shooters um, more than they're like new shooters. Right. So um, and I actually entirely agree with that. And I think that's to Rage 2's credit. But I think it's missing some of the audience that's expecting a lot more modern. This is an this is an old feeling game to me The the shooter, the shooting aspects feel like an old school id game to me um, with some dressed up, some new mechanics. But you can avoid all the powers and just shoot your way out of the corner if you yeah. want. <laughs> you can do that. It's fine. The game it's it's probably more fun with all the powers but it's not necessary in any way but at its core this is a hardcore feels good shooter um with open world um with open world like cars that you can drive and stuff the cars aren't great or whatever but they're fine and i have no problems with it um a little weird to learn i don't know what do you think travis yeah i think it's a little bit of everything and that's to its credit and to its detriment in a way. Like I feel like the shooting feels like like the same sort of mechanics as the new doom. Uh, not the, not the gameplay, but like just the shooting mechanics and like the gunplay itself. Uh, then you have the powers that kind of feel like some of the mass effect powers that you get, uh, which have a cooldown that you can use. Um, and then, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like it's got a lot of stuff going and a lot of it I just kind of ignore out of necessity because there's a lot to keep in mind. So I usually just end up using a couple of those superpowers and just shoot my way out of everything like John was talking about. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of comparisons to Avalanche Studios Mad Max game, which I have not played. I've heard it's great. I want to play it, uh, but haven't played it either. I've, I've yeah. heard that. A lot of it feels like that in the sense that like there's a lot of little outposts scattered all over the place that you can loot. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I think it feels like I said, it feels more like a sequel to Rage than anything else. And I think they Absolutely. succeeded in that. Um, I Very feel like much. Rage was good, but it kind of fell apart at the end and it felt yeah. rushed and not quite finished. And I think Rage 2 just improves on everything. I think a lot of people are comparing this to other games because they didn't play the original Rage. (laughs) This game is a Rage sequel through and through. And again, I just don't think that game was very popular. I don't think a lot of people played it. And so it probably feels like Mad Max, but it's like, well, you know, Rage came up before Mad Max. did. So, I mean, I don't know what to say about that. But but um, and I think the reason why I like Rage 2 so much is because I don't play shooters. I don't play modern shooters, right? I I think the last shooter I played was the new doom and shockingly enough, I didn't really beat it or anything. I thought it was good. It just didn't hook me. Rage two has its hooks in me for sure. And I think that's to my enjoyment credit. But if you play shooter after shooter, after shooter, after shooter, rage might seem rote. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of why. Right. Um, But for me, it feels like I'm opening a present and these powers are fantastic and the guns are fantastic and driving around the world is great. And this extremely campy story is serviceable oh, and the, fine and I'm completely fine. It's with not it. a good story by any means, but I adore no. it. <laughs> I so love it because it feels just like, I don't know. Did you ever play Quake 4 back in the day? And just like, yes, I how did. stupid yes. cheesy that story was. And yes, it really feels and, like that. It feels like right, it's like a, an right. early 2000s kind of mindset right. with its story. And I love that. 
Well, I think Quake 4 was pretty actually really good. And I remember this one time in Quake 4 that still kind of sticks with me now where you're on this gurney and they're slicing you up and turning you into a straw, essentially, right? And that's so creepy, you know? That's yeah. such a creepy thing, you know? Um, and so I think Quake 4 was really good. I, I think it was quite underrated. So Yeah, one thing I will say about... Spoiler alert for Quake 4. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, one thing I'll say about uh, those old id shooters is that I kind of wish we had that Doom 3 flashlight in this game. Sometimes it's hard to see stuff. Oh my god, there needs a flashlight. You get into some dark areas Mm -hmm. looking for these storage chests to loot, and you just can't see anything. (laughs) It's true. It's true. It's funny because Will, um, on Cheerful Ghost, he's been playing the original Rage. And so it's cool because I'll see him play Rage on Steam, and I'm like, hey, can I watch you play it? And I watched him play it, and it's been a while since I played Rage, but... I, re- I realized that Rage 2, again, they did so much to make it like the original Rage. Travis, I didn't remember, but when you're in the mutant levels, they have the same kind of alien blood and guts all over the walls and stuff like in the original. So mm-hmm. Avalanche has done a really good job of taking the characters from the original Rage, actually putting them in this game, having Nicholas Rain in it and that kind of thing. So oh, did you play that mission? Uh, I yeah. did. And I'm going to and and you shouldn't play it as soon as I did. So 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 I want to talk about one beef with that I had with Rage and it's in the um it's in the pre-order DLC that you get. So if you pre-order the game, you got the Nicholas Rain armor, the Settler pistol, which was Nicholas Rain was the character in the first Rage and you get a Settler pistol and you get uh, a special mission called Cult of the Blood God. And you don't get this any other way if you don't buy, if you buy the game later or whatever, which I think is really, I hate that kind I of stuff. I do too. And like, especially with this one, but I think you're about to talk about that. So I have you, have you played the mission I have, at all? Yeah. Okay. So I played it way too early. The problem with that is that you're way underpowered. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I use the BFG on the boss because I'm like, I can't beat this guy. I just cannot do it. So um, one BFG blasted the face and he, he fucking died anyways, but which is so cheap, by the way. But that was also the I got you get the BFG if you buy the deluxe edition. So I just I just press the win button, basically, that you get if you buy the special. button. It doesn't matter. So uh, you paid to this, win, basically. I basically <laughs> uh, yeah. paid to win. That's yeah. what I'm telling you. It is pay to win. I only have two more bullets. I actually have not found where you even buy them. I, I don't yeah, you can buy them in um, Wellspring. I think you one thousand dollars per round oh okay it's insane it's insane but it's the win button so it doesn't it costs a lot so this is a problem with this mission it's a creepy fucking mission it's weird which it's and like i was playing this mission i'm like this is gross and everything but this is totally rage style but it's also about the character it's like his wrap-up from the original game and you only get it as pre-order dlc yeah, like no one who and, and and it's like if you kind of cared about rage and you didn't prepare this game, you're not going to experience this mission, which is a huge bummer. And I think was kind of a misstep, honestly, I agree. like I like like I guess they're thinking like if you're a huge rage fan, you're going to prepare this game. But like this mission is going to be cut off for fans in the future who just like it should not be the case. Like the gun is like fine whatever the armor i don't even know what it does i couldn't even say it's, it's maybe all, the thing is it's all cosmetic and you only see that if you're in on motorcycles as far as i know <laughs> so oh, okay like, okay right like none of the right. rewards so, for it even really matter it's all cosmetic except for the pistol which is you know it's fine i'm never going to use it but i just feel like they really yeah. should have put that plot into the game because it's it's an interesting yes. tie-in to the first game that otherwise it you is. don't have I mean, you still have some of the same characters from the first game, but you don't really have that connection. Right. No, and it's a fun boss fight. It's really hard. And I um, it's it's not I don't know. I just I just don't like that. So whew, it was unfortunate. That was my, that'd be my only negative to Rage 2, which that pre-order DLC that you're not going to get if you buy the game now. So, John, have you had have you found the um, Icarus vehicle yet? Uh, I haven't because I haven't played uh, the game that much yet, right? You get the Icarus vehicle if you unlock all the stuff for the doctor, right? Dr. Kavasi. Yeah, you don't have to unlock all of it. Like once you get to level seven with him, which is fairly easy oh. if you're like chasing arcs and stuff, you get the Icarus. Sure, and sure. You know, my my 
big problem with the game is the driving like it's just not amazing it's kind of it's kind of fun you know going from place to place really fast and seeing the world they built but i don't love the act of doing it that much and the icarus is fantastic because it lets you basically skip over that all that because it's a flying vehicle and you can get everywhere you want really easily and just a tip for anybody listening to this who wants to play it grab that pretty quickly so that you can get around really well uh, the thing I did recently in Rage 2 was I just unlocked Ground Slam, which is so good. So Travis and I were talking uh, just over chat about how we played the game differently. I mentioned I use grenades for crowd control and he mentioned he uses Ground yeah. Slam. Well, I didn't I didn't get it yet. So then I got in. Oh, it's great. And it's weird that he doesn't use grenades because they're so good. <laughs> but again, that just goes to show you that you can play this game in really different ways. Like Travis doesn't use grenades at all and I am constantly out of them. Um, because it's great to throw them in and just have people explode into red haze. (laughs) Yeah, ground slam is one of my favorite powers that you get. Like, essentially, you jump really high into the air and slam down on the ground and knock people back, and I've upgraded it quite a bit so that it does significant damage, and for a bunch of weak enemies that are swarming you, you just turn them into a mist of red. It's, It's fantastic. Right. So if you go through the game, normally you're going to get two powers right away. You're going to get the force kind of like this force push thing that turns people into red mist and this sort of like thing where you can like throw a, a it's like another force power. Where you throw something and it's kind of like a grenade or whatnot. And those you're going to get right away. And then you're going to get the um, the machine gun and then everything else. Um, it's like open world. So I will say that um, in Rage 2, I don't think this is wrong to do this, but do a Google search for how to get the shotgun, yes. like where to go yes. to get that right away. Just get the shotgun. Just do the story thing. Just just drive past all the stuff. Just go get the shotgun as soon as you can. Just do that story because it's it just it's just like it makes the game. It's a required thing. Just go get it right. You could play the game for 20 hours and not get the shotgun if you don't follow the story missions. Just go get it. Just do yourself a favor. And then just once you get the shotgun, find ground slam. Um, because it just, it rounds out your arsenal and makes it just the game, just a lot more fun. You could play the game and knock it ground slam. <laughs> so I think you have, to, you have to get the shotgun cause it's in the story, but just go do that. I, I, you think that's legit Travis? Cause I think those are pretty required. 100%. Yes. That, yeah. that shotgun, the only gun that I ever really run out of ammo on is the shotgun because it's just so it's almost overpowered if I'm being honest, but uh, you can snipe with it and it doesn't. Yeah. Suck. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's great. All right. Since you guys have given us uh, your thoughts on rage Two, how about you go ahead and put it on the ghost scale? Travis, why don't you take, okay. This one? I haven't played the whole th- uh, first. I mean, I'm going to play it. I'm going to sure. It, yeah. I haven't played all of it yet. I've put uh, 12 and a half hours in. I checked last night when I got done. And so I think I'm about halfway through based on what I've read about how long the game is. And so I don't really have enough to say for sure. I think I'm going to give it a rad. It's not quite a must play, but it's probably close. Um, It's just really solid all around. Uh, I don't have a lot of significant complaints about it. It's just that it does a lot of things that I think other games have done better, but if you like the original Rage, which I loved, you're going to love this one as well. Um, it kind of improves on everything across the board, pretty much. I can't think of anything the original did better. So yeah, I'm, as of right now, it's a rad. John? I would say, for me, it's a it's a must play because I had to play it. You know, I like pre-ordered it. But I would say it's probably a rad. It's really great game. And I don't think it's to the game's detriment. I really enjoy it. So it's one of the games that I was really excited about playing this year and I was able to get it. I I bought the special deluxe edition. Um, I bought the box copy. I was really happy with buying that. You know, it comes with the extra DLC, which I think all of that extra DLC is completely useless, to be honest with you, except for that pre-order DLC, which was awesome. Yeah. You know, the BFG 9000 was not necessary, except I just went to an area because I really wanted to experience the Nicholas Rain story continuing point. That's why I skipped it. And you shouldn't because I got my ass beat and I couldn't beat the boss. So I'm glad I had the win gun. <laughs> but um, 
all the extra stuff like the truck skin and i don't i couldn't even i mean i i think we get like the first dlc story for free which is cool that's great i'm sure that's going to be great but everything else you know doesn't feel necessary really so just the pre-order dlc um but i have no problems giving them an extra couple bucks because i really enjoy the game a lot so I can't wait to play more. I wish I would I would have probably beat this game already, but I'm making a game and that takes a lot of time. So Rage is going to take me quite a bit to get through, but I'm really happy that I bought it. And uh, one thing, too, is I really want to thank Will because he gave me a hand me down PC, which is actually still pretty new. Um, and I just set Rage on it and it's fantastic. It's like playing an entirely new game. In fact, I was playing it on my laptop my gaming laptop and it's a little laggy and you know i was like man this game is really hard and everyone's saying rage too it's so easy and i'm playing it on my laptop i'm like getting my ass kicked a lot i'm dying a lot so will gives me this pc i i install rage on the pc and i am winning a lot more because apparently when you go from 25 frames per second to like 60 like the lag difference is so noticeable that I'm like kicking their asses. The game's actually now I understand why they're saying it's easy. It's a lot easier. Now. Um, apparently all the reviewers are playing it on 120 hertz PC or something because it's just so much better. It's so much more fluid. I'm having way more fun doing it. So thank you, Will. Um, I will take all your old computers because it's so much power, more powerful than what I had. So um, if you've got a really great PC to play Rage 2 on, you're going to have fun unless you play shooters all the time. And for me, you know, I, I play shooters maybe once every couple years. For me, this is like a treat. But if this is your genre, I, I can see why maybe it wouldn't be something that you love. But I like Rage 2 and I can't wait to play more. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.